0: This week in KMA land, Page County Public Health staff members resign. Concerns voiced over Pierce Creek conditions. South Page and Bedford schools talk tuition agreement. Mills County Board says no to pipeline eminent domain. And a Farragut native goes the distance on the Iditarod. I'm Mike Peterson. After a tumultuous two years of the COVID-19 pandemic and lengthy budget discussions, Page County lost three public health staff members this week. During its regular meeting Tuesday morning, the Page County Board of Supervisors held a discussion with county and regional public health officials on the current staffing situation with Page County Public Health. Supervisors Chair Alan Armstrong said Tuesday was public health administrator Jessica Erdman's last day and that the county has selected an interim administrator. Just so everybody
1: understands, we are, have lost our last day for our public health administrator. She is leaving today, Jess Erdman It's her last day. We've got a temporary uh, RN that is going to be the interim administrator, um, Della Calhoun.
0: Additionally, Tobacco Prevention Coordinator Rhonda Griebitt and Maternal Child Health Coordinator Amy Beal also resigned. Chuck Nordyke is the CEO of Clarenda Regional Health Center and the County Board of Health Chairman. Nordyke says his board has begun the interview process for multiple positions, including finding a new administrator. We have
1: had uh, several interviews for different positions, um, one of which we extended an offer that was not accepted, so we're looking at a second candidate that we thought would be a good fit. Um, As far as the administrator positions, we had a really good interview uh, this week. Um... We do have a couple other candidates we're going to be interviewing on Friday, um, and then we'll go from there.
0: Nordyke says having three individuals resigning at or around the same time may cause hesitancy with potential candidates in accepting the position. While the pool of candidates is there, Nordyke says the main struggle is finding the person with the right
1: experience to fill
0: the administrator's
1: role. As far as the experience, that's going to be almost impossible to hire someone with the, the experience we'd like, but... Uh, someone with some experience in leadership and, and uh, you know, maybe some of the administrative stuff, um, I think we can pull and then do the training and support. But again, it, you know, it's kind of a volatile situation in the eyes of the public right now with three people leaving. So you've got these nurses that are looking at this as, well, what's going on? I don't know if I want to give up a good job to go there.
0: Don Mao is a regional community health consultant with the Iowa Department of Public Health. Miles says Montgomery County Public Health Administrator Samantha Beeson has expressed interest in sharing with Page County. She adds there are different ways the sharing could work.
2: If the board would decide that they want to um, combine with Montgomery, if the two boards decided they want one agency, um, or if it would be just sharing an administrator, or it would be sharing staff until Page could actually hire some people.
0: No formal action was taken at Tuesday's supervisors' meeting, but Miles says the board could assist with background checks on candidates and helping with payroll during the hiring process. Local residents are raising concerns over conditions at a Page County recreational area. During its monthly meeting Tuesday, the county's conservation board heard from four residents from the Southwest Iowa Trail Riders, a group of horseback riders in the region who raised several issues regarding Pierce Creek. Montgomery County resident Michelle Jordan questioned how the money from a $5,000 grant secured for the equestrian and cap grant is being used, including rock shavings used to assist in securing posts in the ground. However, County Conservation Director John Schwab says the grant isn't the only funding source for current projects at Pierce Creek.
1: The total cost of this, we're up to like eight, dollars $9,000 that I had already told the board, like the shelter, we're going to cover out of reap because the grant's not going to cover it. And, I mean, we had, you know, the $800 in the, the new posts and stuff like that. So, I mean, we're, it's not just the grant that's paying for all this stuff at Pierce Creek. Like, our department's paying for a lot of it, too, is what I'm saying. So, we'll get all these improvements done. It's not all going to come out of the grant
0: money. Additionally, Deb Ratliff questioned the location of a gate to limit the accessible horse trails while drainage tile work is being done in the north end of the park. Ratliff was curious why the gate needed to be placed in the southwest corner of the park. Can we not move that gate so we can still ride
3: that? Because even if there's a lot of noise, if you put a gate where you're doing the actual work,
0: if your horse is going to act up, don't ride that way. But there's a lot of trails in there that can still be used and ridden on. You know, just move the gate so we can use it. Because right now you've shut off (laughs) half the park. While well, the total project, which includes the land of an adjacent landowner, is expected to span three to four weeks, Schwab says the hope is to start on the county-owned ground and have the gate open once that work is completed. However, he adds the county would also open the gate if work wouldn't begin on Pierce Creek as soon as possible. As the county looks to invite others into the parks and keep people coming back, Joyce Cruz says more notice needs to be given when the gun range at Pierce Creek will be in use. I
2: just don't want people to be upset and say, I'm not coming back. And we have heard that, you know, from people. So I don't care if Charlie sends me something. Just a a phone message or whatever and just says, you know, the gun range is gonna be in use at ten o'clock till two o'clock on Tomorrow afternoon or tomorrow or whatever, so I can just let them know.
0: Jordan, meanwhile, voiced other concerns, citing several logs currently blocking portions of the trails and hopes the Conservation Department can look at different ways of labeling both the primary and other secondary horse trails. I don't know
2: whether it would be best to like, do some color coding. What we're doing um, up in uh, Montgomery County at another park is we're going to name all the trails and po- post at each intersection with a, with a small map and the name of the trail, and I think the trails are all going to be named after either horse breeds or outlaws or Western movie actors.
0: Schwab says signs can begin being put on the ground once a finalized list of where they need to be located can be provided. After concerns were raised about the amount of time dedicated to the topic of Pierce Creek, Board member Whitney Beery suggested a special meeting that would allow for a more in-depth discussion to the trail users' concerns. All of these things are questions that need to come up and need to be handled. You know, if we had a meeting just set for this of what's going on with the grant money, where it was spent at, I understand that it's not all going to be there, but the plans for these things... While a date was not set during Tuesday night's meeting, the board intends to set up the special meeting as soon as possible. South Page school officials may have found a new dance partner on a tuition agreement for the district's high school students. By a 4 to nothing vote at a special community meeting Thursday evening, the South Page school board approved pursuing a three-year tuition agreement with the Bedford district beginning in the 2022-23 school year. The move follows the Clarenda school board not renewing a similar arrangement in March for the upcoming school year. Thursday's meeting was held to gauge public opinion on the options available to the South Page district. School officials in both South Page and Bedford were present. South Page school superintendent Tim Hood provided the board and public with four potential options. Hosting K through 12 students in the South Page district, reducing the school week to four days, the sharing agreement with Bedford or a one-way whole grade sharing making the district's high school students full-time in another district. Hood acknowledges that transportation will be one of the biggest challenges with the distance between the two schools. The elephant in the room, folks, are just
1: gonna bring it out. It's the ways over there. Okay? We, we know that. Okay? It is uh, on a good day, I think probably 30-ish minutes on some of the days that with weather and stuff, it's probably more like 40. So we know that, and I wish we could
2: snap our fingers to fix
1: that part of it, but it is what it is.
0: Additionally, Hood says high school students would likely need to take an online course to compensate for instructional time lost during transportation. Outside of the distance, one of the primary concerns for South Page parents and attendance was assuring their students felt welcome in Bedford. While saying it's difficult to make guarantees, Bedford secondary principal Michael Irvin says past experiences with new students give him hope the South Page students would fit in. Because
4: we want what's best for this, the people sitting in this room. Can I guarantee your kids are going to have an amazing experience at Bedford? No, but I can't guarantee that for my kids that are sitting there in the classroom right now either. You know, That's just the reality, but I can promise you our teachers and our staff will do whatever it takes to make your kids feel accepted and be a part of our, our staff. I mean, our, our kids are amazing. It, It blows my mind every day when we get a new kid in on how well they're accepted, and I don't see your kids being any different whatsoever.
0: Parents also questioned whether the school had surveyed students for their thoughts of the district's options. South Page pre-K-12 principal Rhonda Sheldon says 47% of students prefer the sharing with Bedford, 39% favored a four-day week, 5% favored staying in South Page, and 3% favored the one-way whole grade share. We
2: really tried to talk to them, the pros and the cons, try not to waver on which side or anything, just really think about. We even encourage them to, before you take this, why don't you go home, talk to your family, what's
0: best for your family. Irvin says the classroom sizes in Bedford will be nearly half of those in Clarenda, currently sitting around 15 to 17 students per classroom. Speaking in favor was Bailey Drennan, a student teacher in Bedford who intends to join the South Page staff next school year. Their kids
3: have been absolutely amazing to have in class. That being said, they are also kids, and they're like, Miss Trenton, where are you going to go after you leave here?
4: And when I tell them I'm coming
3: here, and they've said, well, I've heard that the kids are going to come here. The
2: conversation between those
3: kids in my classroom, before they even knew that I was coming here, was nothing bad. Those kids, they're open to caring about me.
0: Well, saying she wishes the students could stay in College Springs all day, Lindsay Hole-Elwood, a bus driver for South Page and a parent, says the school doesn't appear to have much hope of sticking around without a sharing agreement. Is
3: that going to be an option for our kids to stay here all day? No, because we don't have enough teachers to do it. I mean, there's not a lot of options. It's either we share, our kids can still graduate from here, we still can take the classes here, they can have the sports at Bedford, they can have the the. The, the better friendships at Bedford's with the kids there versus we all open a roll and then you get to decide where your kid goes. But do I think that that's the best thing for everybody? No, I don't. The
0: Bedford School Board, which expressed interest Thursday, intends to take action on the topic as soon as possible to maximize time for planning and necessary negotiating between the two districts. You can add Mills County to your list of counties speaking out on possible eminent domain uses for a proposed carbon pipeline project. By unanimous vote Tuesday morning, the county's Board of Supervisors approved a letter to be sent to the Iowa Utilities Board stating its objections to using the legal maneuver to acquire property for carbon capture projects, such as Summit Carbon Solutions' proposed Midwest Express Pipeline. The board acted on a request from a local resident, Tom Honeyman, who urged the supervisors to voice their feelings on the matter. Supervisors Chair Richard Crouch.
3: Once they start using this eminent domain for something like that, what other issues are they going to allow it to be used for, you know? I can see it for building roads or, or maybe the county has to use it to gain some land to put in a bridge or something, you know, but for what they're using it for, I don't, I don't feel it's right. You know, that uh, they can come in and just say, yep, we're using eminent domain and they can, you know, kind of do what they want.
0: The action comes as a final decision on eminent domain legislation is still pending at the state house. A KMA land native recently went the distance in one of the most grueling competitions in the world. Farragut native and high school graduate Riley Dyke recently finished the 2022 Iditarod, encompassing an over 1,000-mile trek in Alaska from Anchorage to Nome. Dyke, who has lived in Alaska since April 2012, also runs the Dark Horse Racing Kennel. While saying he and his father had always been avid outdoorsmen, Dyke says a unique opportunity while in college in Colorado got him hooked on mushing. My
3: first semester of college in uh, Leadville, Colorado, I needed a job and, uh, heard about a place outside the town that gave mushing tours and, uh, it sounded really cool to me. I'd always uh, liked dogs a lot. Yeah. It just sounded fun. So I went and interviewed and, uh, Ended up working there, and I was pretty much just
0: hooked right away. The multi-day race totals just under 1,000 miles, and often has dogs and mushers experiencing below-freezing temperatures and consistent wind of 40 or more miles per hour. Dyke compared the event to climbing Mount Everest. It's
3: kind of like climbing Everest. There's people who are are climbing it just to get to the top, and there's people who are you know trying to do it for a speed record. Same thing for Iditarod. There's you know over half the field is running it to Run it to finish, and then there's you know twenty to thirty that are running it to to race it, and there's a big difference in running to finish and
0: running to race. But Dyke says it's often a huge accomplishment to even cross the finish line. And no, the experienced musher says he went into the race with the intent to run near the front of the pack and be competitive. However, Dyke says trouble started early, causing his group of dogs to dwindle. I
3: had a bunch of females in heat are in season, like every female on the team, which is a be a major major issue on a race like that basically all of them came into heat at the same time and then and then I also had a little g i bug go through my dog, so I kind of had to pull the reins back and go from racing to just uh making sure we finished um so we we took a long rest there and basically started running in the twenties instead of in the you know top 10 area.
0: After a calm mid-race circumstances wouldn't get much better for Dyke as with just over 40 miles left his team crossed a portion of frozen ocean near the Bering Sea coast when a storm hit prompting him to hunker down in a nearby shelter cabin. I was
3: able to make it to a shelter cabin and kind of hold out for I stayed for I think, 26 hours at the shelter cabin till the 70 mile an hour winds stopped and once we got down to more like 40 mile an hour winds and I I was able to make my way to the finish line, I was only 40 miles from the finish at that point, so it was kind of, uh, you know, frustrating to be caught in that, but it's kind of like being in a tornado in those winds, you know, it's hard to, really hard to describe unless you've been in them, mm-hmm. and they actually felt wind that can, you know, lift you off your feet and slam you on the ground and make you immobile.
0: Well, he did suffer a penalty for taking his dogs into the shelter with him. Dyke says he has no hard feelings and felt he did what was best for his dogs. Once the storm subsided, Dyke says his team was able to cross the finish line. Now you can hear the full interview with Riley Dyke uh, with a web story published at KMALand.com. School districts across KMA land are experiencing a teacher shortage. It's a situation that has the attention of the head of Iowa's Teachers Union. Mike Baronic is president of the Iowa State Education Association. Baronic was in Shenandoah this past week as part of a tour of Southwest Iowa schools. In an interview with KMA News, Baronic addressed some of the reasons why some prospective instructors are seeking other professions
2: and why some longtime teachers are getting out of the business. We have long forecasted a crisis here in our state um, because of the low starting salary of 33.5, which has been at that starting salary for five years. Uh, Our folks who are thinking about entering the field can find alternative um, college degrees that will offer them a higher salary when they come out of college. And so this year that crisis has um, become even more evident Um, We are having fewer folks enter our college prep programs. We are having fewer folks who will stay in our classrooms after the first or second year. We're witnessing uh, folks who are mid-career thinking about leaving. And we will certainly see it become a problem this next year when our schools are looking for new employees. Part of the reason is, as I said, salary one with a similar degree can go find a much higher salary in comparable fields. But also, as I had mentioned previously, there are attacks being laid before us and when an educator gets up and watches on TV or reads in the paper an elected official calling us sinister or being questioned about the materials that are used in a classroom and being told that they are Teaching children the inappropriate content that they believe shouldn't be taught in school, that has a toll on people in our field, and they are truly considering leaving the profession, which is not going to prove well for the whole state of Iowa.
0: ISEA President Mike Baranek. As the 2022 Iowa legislative session winds down, some retiring lawmakers are saying goodbye to the statehouse. Among them is State Representative Cecil Dolachek, who recently gave his farewell address to the Iowa House. The Mount Air Republican steps down at the end of the session after more than a quarter century in the legislature. Sharing memories of his years in state government, Dolachek reflected on a trick played on him as an incoming legislator in 1997. I was a rookie
4: legislator in my first year when an elder, elderly legislator by the name of Phil Terrell informed me that I had a constituent visit the chamber while I was in a committee meeting and that Mr. Bear had asked that I please give him a call. Being one who wanted to answer all my constituents' calls, I dialed the number, tried my best to conceal my embarrassment when the response I got was, this is the blank park zoo, how may we help you? I said sorry, wrong number.
0: While saying today's society wants instant gratification, Dolachek adds lawmakers soon learn that the wheels of government move at a slow pace and it takes time to build consensus and gain support for legislation. He cited a bill connected to a Decatur County situation as an example. I introduced
4: legislation on behalf of one of my constituents from Decatur County who had lost a classmate of his while attempting to return home from a kegger. No one seemed to know, or at least admitted, who supplied the keg. After five years of working and building consensus, that young man now in college was able to attend the bill signing ceremony for our keg registration law. That exists today.
0: Dolachek also reflected on his efforts to enact legislation impacting Iowa's education system, such as the bill implementing the Secure and Advanced Vision for Education or SAVE levy. Approved in 2008, the one cent local option tax provides school districts with funding for infrastructure needs on property tax relief. He also named other school related measures passed during his tenure. A few of the
4: things we've done reading and class size reduction, now categorical appropriation, transportation funding pre-trap or property tax replacement funding, shared operational positions, independent accreditation for our private schools, as well as loan repayments for rural doctors, PAs, and hopefully teachers.
0: In closing, an emotional Dolacek thanked his family for supporting his endeavors in his 26 years at the Statehouse. First of
4: all, my beautiful wife, Patty, our children, Eric, Justin, Josie, Darren, and our daughter, Jamie, who we lost in 2019 after a battle with cancer. Thank you to our 14 grandchildren, I apologize for missing excuse me, many of your activities because of the responsibilities associated with this job.
0: He also thanked his clerks, the legislature's staff, and fellow lawmakers, past and present. State Republican Party Chair Jeff Kaufman is among those saluting Dolacek as he retires from politics. Kaufman served in the legislature for a decade with Dolachek. Cecil's one of the few people that I can look you in the eye and say he was a statesman. Cecil is not a very good politician. He is an excellent legislator. Uh, I've always told Cecil, I've said this many, many times, that you got to learn to brag on yourself. And it's just not in him. He is the consummate Southern Iowa gentleman. Kaufman says Republicans, Democrats, and Independents re-elected Dolichek by wide margins over the years. He truly was one of the best legislators in the last two decades. And more importantly that, his credibility and his integrity there is no one on either side of the aisle that questions it. Kaufman adds two fine candidates are running for the Iowa 17th House District's GOP nomination in the June primary. Paul Dykstra of Kellerton and Devin Wood of Newmarket are running to fill Dolacek's vacant seat. No candidates are running for the Democratic nomination. Residents of Red Oak will notice a slight uptick in water rates beginning later this year. During its regular meeting Monday, the Red Oak City Council approved a slight increase in its water rates going into effect on July's billing. Red Oak Mayor Shana Silvia says the increase amounts to roughly 2%, but the basic charge will remain under $8. The basic
3: charge um, will be $7.98 to be charged on all bills and it'll be from zero to four thousand cubic feet used per month at two dollars and seventy four cents per hundred cubic feet anything over four thousand cubic feet used per month will be charged at $2.10 $2.10 per 100 cubic feet.
0: The council also approved and adopted a roughly 5% increase in its sewer rates at its April 4th meeting to meet requirements associated with bonding for the city's renovations to its sewer plant. Sylvia says the primary cause for the increase in water rates is budgeting for potentially higher costs.
3: It has to do with uh, the budgeting, and we did budget um, for some some water projects as well as staff um, wage increases, and so just inflation.
0: Formal adoption is expected at the council's next regular meeting, May 2nd. Discussions on the proposed expenditures of COVID relief dollars in Nebraska City have shifted to a fact-finding mode. Meeting in regular session Monday evening, the Nebraska City City Council directed city staff members to gather information to the proposed cost of options for spending $1.2 million in American Recovery Plan Act funds. Those options were suggested by residents attending a series of town hall meetings over the past two months. Speaking on KMA's Morning Line program Tuesday morning, Nebraska City City Administrator Lou Leone says workforce housing projects were just one of the proposed expenditures. Another request involves making Knuckles Park handicapped accessible. It's it got
3: some of the uh, pieces to make it compliant, but it doesn't have all. And, and quite frankly, it took the last, I'm sorry, the second meeting before someone mentioned that. So we'll be researching making that fully compliant. We'll also be looking at updating our website, getting a, a new website so it's more user-friendly. There's more capabilities, including making it ADA compliant and having the option to change languages so that we reach out to everybody in the community and everybody will be able to have access.
0: City officials, have until December 31st, 2024, to formulate a plan for the funding's expenditures. That wraps up This Week in KMA Land. Be listening each week at this time for This Week in KMA Land. And for more information all the time, log on to kmaland.com where you can also hear this program in its entirety. For the entire KMA News team, this is Mike Peterson. Thanks for joining us. Have a great weekend. This has been a presentation of KMA News.